Welcome to Meet the Actor at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome this evening's moderator from GQ Magazine, Devin Gordon. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming out. Uh, standing room only crowd for this one. Um, I'm very excited uh, to be here with you guys today. Um, as I was telling the actors we've got for you um, in the room just a minute ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if I didn't like this movie. I'm, I'm, I, we've all got jobs, we've got things to do. I'm very busy, this is a rough time of the month. I'm only here because this movie stunned me. I mean, I, 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 was, I was expecting and hoping that it would be fun. That's what you sort of go in expecting. Um, but the, the, the reality is nowadays, as many of you movie fans know, you go in and you don't really know what you're getting. You don't know if Guardians of the Galaxy is gonna be great. You don't know if Batman versus Superman is gonna be terrible. There's no way to know who you'd, or maybe you did, maybe you did. But this one, you just don't know. And this is um, made by a filmmaker I'd only seen one small movie from before. It's a big risk. And the level of wit, energy, creativity, the set pieces in this movie, the action set pieces in this movie are just one after another. You're gonna see a little bit of a clip of my favorite one later on. Um, it's just a thrilling movie. It's a thrilling movie and it's really well acted and you realize why good actors matter in movies like this because the work of the cast, they just pull it all together. They make you believe in it and they make everything extra thrilling. So I'm gonna shut up, we're gonna play the trailer and then we're gonna bring them out here, okay? Right? These are photos of an island in the South Pacific. The place where myth and science meet. We use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. You're dropping bombs. Mm. Scientific instruments. I see trouble on the way. Is that a monkey? that thing was out here? I'm sorry for your man, Colonel. But if you want to make their sacrifice worthwhile, get us home with proof. Monsters exist. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your friend there can put that down. What the hell is this place? That's Kong. He's king around here. Kong's pretty good, King. Keeps to himself, mostly. Well, you don't go into someone's house and start dropping bombs unless you're picking a fight. Kong's God on the island, but the devils live below us. And what are they called? I call them skull crawlers. Why? I never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I say, just you call them whatever you want. We're all gonna die together out here. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have come here.
so uh, let's bring them out. Uh, Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, and Sam Jackson, the stars of Skull Island. So um, I wanted to start where we were starting backstage, which was talking about how you know when this movie started in your lives and arrived in your lives, I don't know, what, two, three years ago. There's so many of these movies, and we were talking about how do you know if you're signing on for The Avengers or if you're signing on for The Mod Squad? There's, how do you know? And I'm wondering what each of you think of that. Basically, I think the answer is you don't know. You're hoping. You never know. Um, and I guess that's what keeps us doing it. <laughs> you sort of, every time is, an, is uh, no? Sam I mean, you don't just that. flip a coin, though. You, you, like, you, how, tell me about how you think of, how do you try to minimize the odds? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I auditioned for this, so I was rolling the dice with myself as to whether or not I'd be in it. But I've always had a very strong opinion as to what films I want to be in, because I also know that I'm not a good actor if I don't believe in whatever it is that I'm supposed to be fighting for. So the taking a step out of independent film and into a studio arena meant for me that it had to have a certain like code of honor. I had to follow my, mor my moral compass. And this was a film that is visually beautiful and is part of cinematic history. And it was a strong, interesting, dynamic female character with lots of complexity. But it also had talked about violence. And it also talked about the environment. It talks about nature and like man's human nature. And, and those were things that were worth exploring and worth diving into the studio realm for. It really is about those things, not just in a BS Hollywood way. It really is actually about those things, which is one of the things that's kind of impressive about the movie. There's a polarity between your character and your character that's pretty fascinating. So uh, anyway, I don't want to interrupt that. I gotta watch you again know? so I can see all that. I missed all that. <laughs> Comes out on Friday. It's a good-ass monster movie. I don't know about all the rest of this. <laughs> um, but that's the point, though. Um, when I look at everyone they'd assembled, I know that we can handle the human aspect of what the story is asking of us, that we can be terrified, we can be angry, we can be aggressive, we can have relationships that have ups and downs and peaks and valleys and all those things. So you look at the DNA of the company and say, well, all they really need to do is make sure that things are good because we're going to be good. It's, it's just a given. We're going to be good because we all understand dynamics between human beings. We've done enough theater. We've done enough films. Most of us know each other on a real genuine level, and we can be as nasty as we need to be to each other, and somebody says cut, and we can just laugh and go, that was a great one. Ah, I kicked your ass. That was awesome. You know, uh, so it was all about them making the things good. So when we ask the questions like, where is it? How big is it? How fast is it? That's all we need to know. Right. And we can take care of the rest. But it's on them to make sure that things are right. And when we saw it, they got the things right. right. And that's what's important to me. You know, I've been going to monster movies my whole life and wanting to be in one. I've been thinking about running away from King Kong my whole life since I was a kid. <laughs> so when somebody came to me and said, they're doing a King Kong movie and they want you to be in it. I was like, yes, when? <laughs> Let's go. So that's well, all it takes. You mentioned the Hollywood history of this. I mean, that's one of the things that's very uh, enjoyable uh, and true and honest about the movie is the, is the but there's, there's more of it than you expect, which is that there's, my favorite thing about the movie is that there's an Apocalypse Now thread in it too, right in the middle in the person of the John C. Riley character. He's sort of the, 
he plays this sort of Dennis Hopper character. Um, you saw a little bit of it on the island. And, and Sam, your character is sort of the uh, Charlie Don't Surf, you know, uh, Robert Duvall character. You are. Yeah, somebody said that to me when they hired me, and I was like, no. Um, yeah, it's Vietnam, and it's all of that. But in the end, I, I make him more akin to Ahab. Okay. And King Kong becomes my right. white whale. Right. You know, I mean, right. he's killing oh, my men. I got to have that ass. I'm after <laughs> You know, it's like, no. I'm not afraid of you, and I'm taking you down. So that's my thrust, the whole movie. Let's, let's play the, the first clip we've got, because it's, it's the first glimpse the, the characters get of, of the man himself. Fox 8 is down. Fox 4 is down. Respond, Fox 3. Talking a minute about one of the reasons why I really like this movie and enjoy it, there's a there's a sequence shortly before that where they just have to get into the island, and it's and it's pretty tense and it's pretty dramatic, but it it ends in a very interesting, foreboding way, and then this is the next helicopter scene, and it's crazy, and it and it just it sets the tone for the whole movie. It is so much more. There's a moment about a minute into it, you're like, this is a lot more intense than I was expecting this to be, and the whole movie just keeps up that pace. Um, in these kinds of movies, there's the sort of Spielberg Jaws theory of not showing the monster and kind of keeping the tension. And high. This is not that movie. <laughs> and, and I was just interested in, in talking about it in that way. This movie just throws you right in. It's almost like you can feel like, can we get to the gorilla faster? Can we get to the ape faster, right? I mean, yeah, Well, jo Jordan really wanted that. He was like, this movie's called Kong. Right. I feel like you should see him early. Um, and he should be in it a lot. Um, and I love that because actually... You, you see Kong, that's the first time you see him at full size, and then he becomes the star of the movie in a very compelling way, but you also are introduced to the other creatures on the island. It becomes a, a true adventure to an undiscovered land. You know, you realize there are some other alpha predators on the island that Kong is going up against, and that's... There are also those cool moments where Kong's not even thinking about us. You know, he's just on his island doing what Kong does. You know, he's like looking for lunch or something. You know, he's like, what am I gonna eat today? You know, he's kind of you know, strolling around. And he's like, it's, it's his spot. So when people like say- MTV Cribs with he's Kong. He's the king, yeah. When they say he's the king, that's what you got. You got this thing that lives on this island. Even though, I gotta tell you, when we were shooting the movie, I never thought he was that big. You know, it was like, you know, when you ask that question, where is it, how big is it, how fast is it? Nobody ever said, well, he was that big. You know, because, I mean, if he's that big, why the fuck's he sleep on the island? Where does he sleep that we can't find him? Or, or if he does take a dump, 
Why can't we find it? You know? It's gotta be somewhere we can see it. You know, it's kinda like, oh yeah, he's around, look at that. Yeah. Oh, you smell that? Kong's around here somewhere. So he was never that big for me. I, I think I have no choice but to follow that up with a clip. So let's go to a clip. munitions on that down sea stallion to finish the job. Magnificent. You know why I carry this instead of an M16? Took it off a farmer fighting for the NVA. He surrendered right after we leveled his village. He was 50 years old, said he never even seen a gun until we showed up. Sometimes an enemy doesn't exist. You're looking for one. What happens when they show up on your doorstep? I still have his gun. Best of luck with that, soldier. I, I just wanted to say that I love that clip because it features um, the great Shea Wiggum in the movie. And it's, uh, I don't know how many of you guys know him, he's a fantastic actor, but it's an example. The three of us are sitting here today, but the, the cast in this film, uh, you've got Corey Hawkins and Jason Mitchell, um, Toby Kebbell, John Goodman, John C. Riley. It was, it's an amazing group of people, and every single actor brings their A-game and their unique talents. So it's nice to see that. It, it, that just under, so that's just such, it's such a big cast, and What's amazing is how many actors really get to register yeah. and have really good moments despite, I mean, there must be 12 major characters in the movie, but you don't lose track of anyone. Um, and I think one of the things that's interesting about the movie from a character perspective that I wanted to ask you about is that um, it's an unusual movie and that there's really no villain in it. There, there are people who do maybe debatable things, but um, it's sort of a moral conflict and things. I mean, Sam Jackson, your character is the closest thing maybe but you're just chasing your white whale you don't you know? think that he's a villain he's, i'm trying to keep my guys alive that he's are, trying to keep his that guys alive there and do something about the guys that that he killed i mean he has the misguided thought yes that man's been on this planet forever and there have always been things bigger stronger and faster than man but we have ingenuity so we either tame them bring them to their knees or we kill them mm. And it's that simple. And when you guys start talking about he's the only thing between us and, and these bad things, da, 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 I said, well, we'll kill them too. Because that's what men think. And you got to have somebody with that point of view. Doesn't make me a villain. Yeah. Just makes me the guy with that point of view. But Bree thinks you're a villain. <laughs> it doesn't make me the president. There's some, there's some fascinating conversations. Uh, I'm gonna just shift away from that. Um, there are some fascinating conversations between Sam Jackson's character, John Goodman's character that play out very philosophically but, but never in a boring and movie-stopping way. Um, and that's one of the virtues of it. One of the, but one of the great things about the movie is the visual wit in it. There's just little details throughout this movie, and we're gonna get to one of them in this last clip. 
There's a Nixon bobblehead doll that plays uh, just a great little role that just makes you know that there's a creative mind behind this and it putting something in every frame. And then there's this scene, which I guess you guys call the graveyard scene. Um, I started calling it the bone zone. The bone zone. Um, that is in a graveyard on the island. Um, Brie Larson's character's camera is involved in this. So let's just show the clip because you can do a crappy action scene that's just people flying at each other and you know mayhem and nobody's going to care. This, this locked me in. I was, I was tense during this one. Go ahead. Yeah, you smell that? That's death. What the hell is this place? This is what's left of Kong's parents. I've taken enough photos of mass graves to recognize one. The crash site's just on the other side of this valley. We'll cross through and make it to the highest point west. Uh-uh. This place is a real no-no, sir. We need to be going to the north side right now. And you're welcome to do that, my man. By yourself. I'm not leaving Jack out there. Now, who's with me? We can make it. You might be right we can make it. Now, stay sharp. Keep an eye out. I've only been here 28 years. What do I know? They don't really make it. Um, um, there's a, uh, not to give away anything that happens in that, but her camera gets swallowed at some point by a large monster and it starts flashing and it, in the smoke. And it creates just, it gives the whole scene a kind of novelty and texture and ominousness that if you're not being lazy and you're really trying to get people their money's worth, you can, you can build into a movie like this. So I just wanted to talk to you guys about, about that. Like, do you know that stuff's happening when you're on the set? How do you know that these scenes are going to be awesome? How do you do they read like that on the page? You know, like what 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 kind of what are you divining from? What are you working off of? Um, I mean, there's a in a the next that sequence is is a long one, and um, it was it was written very well, mm -hmm. and uh, lots of different action beats, but also there was room to make stuff up, and we were in that location for about three weeks. Where where are you guys? Uh, in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> He's not joking. We were in Jurassic Park. You know the field. You know oh wow. Okay, really, Jurassic you know the Park. Field, okay, yeah. Yeah, the field that Sam Neill and and the children run through in the yes. stampede. It's that exact. Oh wow. That's okay. that exact field. Yeah. yeah. So you got to be in the field finally. Yeah, yeah. We saw them every day. Yeah. People, <laughs> people on SUVs with their Jurassic Park T-shirts on. Well, that's not weird. knowing what we were doing. Yeah, they had no there idea. Like, there was a lost tour that would come yeah. through. <laughs> and so sometimes these, every so often we'd be like, you know, we're running and hiding from these monsters. And then there would just be this like, oh, we got a hold for the bus. And just like the lost tour. And it'd be all these people like looking through like, like what, what the doing? heck are what these people that? doing? And what then, part of Jurassic Park and then is that? John C. Riley would always go, yeah, it's me, your friend, John C. Riley. And they would all go, <laughs> So many but there were a lot of things that went into making that thing work because there's a specific thing that he has to do. There's a specific thing for John Goodman. Bree had a specific thing. Uh, me and my guys had a specific thing. And they had plans to do certain things. And sometimes, like we said, we have to change things on the fly. So the military advisors are there, the guys who had actually been to Vietnam and telling us how to be soldiers. and I'd done several films with those guys before, so sometimes they would say, okay, 
everybody needs to come through here, da da da, because we got the camera set up. And I say, well, well, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a great shot. And I said, yeah, but if we do that and something does show up, like it's supposed to show up, then everybody dies because we're in a straight line. We can't be in a straight line. So we have to deploy the soldiers in a, in a way so that if military people are watching this film, they can go, yeah, that's right, he's got our six, and this guy's watching that way, and this guy's doing that. Mm -hmm. So we got that fixed. And when the thing showed up, the biggest question for us was, well, how fast is it? Yeah, right. And we can't swing our guns and shoot at each other, so we have to specifically move guns in a certain way. So in the George Lucas school of green screen, he says, the more you do, the more we have to draw. So you make sure everybody's focusing away from each other and doing what they had to do. So by the time he has his encounter with that big thing, we're not in the way. We're out of the way and everybody's taking cover in the right way. She's taking cover in the right way because we have to survive. But people believe the way we did that and they're not going, oh, come on, oh, no, that's not the way you do it, <laughs> you know. So we're, we're also trying to make sure that there's a sense of reality that an audience can buy into and not just dismiss this as right. a bullshit movie. Right, right, right. So we had things to do. Was this the first time you've had this kind of an experience? You, is this the first sort of big one of this kind? Not being a film that might be dismissed as a bullshit movie. <laughs> <laughs> that specifically, yeah. A, a big action movie back when you're so like. Much. Yes, this is my first. I mean, this is. I guess Scott Pilgrim was a studio movie. Th yeah, this was kind of like my first big movie this is my first time i had to like really run on camera and like focus and be like don't look like an idiot brie people are gonna right. see it bigger than you are <laughs> and how, how did you find the process i mean how different was it i think i i really lucked out in that for my first foray into this for one we didn't do it with a green screen it was all actually in those locations and my character is she's fighting to protect these creatures but she's also fighting to protect this land and so to be in these beautiful parts of our of our planet i use that as fuel a lot and then the rest of it is just like your imagination and it's amazing that i I'm in a profession where I get to talk to something that's not there and no one thinks I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, that's I mean, great. Great job, Bree. Sleep well. Huh? And you had a double pop out with satellite television. I didn't well yeah. you know that Okay. But you Trailer know that we now. weren't able to go to that at all during the day. You weren't. You you were with us too. We were in a tent. In, deep in the jungle all day with no cell service. You know that. You know that. I got my Judge Judy fix every day. <laughs> what are you talking about? Tom, how was your trailer? It was great. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> As if Tian wasn't in it when you got there. It's like... Yeah, we Tien, share. Yeah, Tien's exactly. coming during everybody's trailer. <laughs> I, I want to I say Brie from this for just a second, but just pointing out that... Um, I'm asking about the indie movies just because the first movie I saw you in was actually even before Scott Pilgrim. I was a judge at the South by Southwest Film Festival about three years ago when this movie Short Term 12 that Brie was in, if any of you, it was the fastest decision ever made by a jury judge for anything ever. We walked in, three of us sat down, and we're like, so this, this is Short Term 12, right? We're all in agreement <laughs> on this. I mean, literally, I'm not even making it, but it's like a 10 second conversation because the movie was so incredible and you should all go see it if you haven't because it's basically like the velvet underground of recent indie movies Rami Malek who's Mr. Robot is in that movie uh, Keith Stanfield who's killing it in Atlanta and Get Out is in that movie like it's an incredible movie with an incredible cast 
and the first place I saw her. Um, we're going to take some questions from the audience, I believe. Um, um, actually, my question is for you, Mr. Jackson. First, let me say that I've been a fan of yours my whole life. I, I can't believe I'm able to ask you this. Okay. <laughs> All right. In your opinion, what's inside that briefcase in Pulp Fiction? Honestly, never, ever given a thought to that. You know, it's, I know it's five batteries and three lights, you know, and that's what it's always been. And I never looked in it. You know, Jules never looked in that briefcase. John Travolta opens it, and he closes it. Tim Roth opens it, he looks at it, and he closes it. I never looked in that thing. So it was never part of what I had to deal with. And, I've never, like and I've never asked Quentin. No. The job is to dig into different parts of the human experience. So what kinds of you know, facets of humanity that, like, that you got to explore in this film specifically attracted you to the project? And what kinds of roles would you like to maybe explore in the future? Cool question. Yeah. Do you want to jump in or should I? No, go for it, go for it. Uh, for me, there's an interesting conversation sort of quietly happening in the film about the relationship between human beings and the natural world. And Kong kind of is this icon of nature. And that sometimes nature is, is terrifying and wild. And there's, there are parts about, about nature or a natural intelligence that guides its progress that we don't fully understand. And I love that conversation, sort of man versus nature in this. And I think um, Kong represents something that c can be terrifying, but also noble about, um, about nature. And I think um, I really enjoyed exploring that. Oh, um, you know, Every time I get to play a character with, a, with an occupation, I really enjoy learning more about their world and getting to talk with them. You know, for Short Term 12, I got to shadow real women with that job. I played a scientist in a film, and I got to go to, I can't remember if it was UCLA or USC, and I got to splice DNA and spend the day with them. It allows me an ability to connect and learn from people that I don't know if I would ever have the chance to without this job, and I take it very seriously to be able to portray it as well as possible in a, in a film. So with this, I got to speak with war correspondents and reporters who were so open and candid about the craziest stories I'd ever heard, about the things that they're doing, the risks they're taking, the shenanigans that are going on behind the scenes in order to get the shot, in order to share with us the truth. And I, I don't know if I had really valued that as much as I value it now after talking with them about it. And that's contemporary. When, when Weaver is, is taking photos and is, she's a photojournalist, it's all of those same shenanigans, plus being a woman at that period of time when that was very difficult in a man's world, and no light meter on her camera, focusing a camera, and running from things, generally. So all of those things together, imagine seeing something that you're the first person to see or capturing something that is so important to tell and you don't read the light right in that p moment of panic or you are in your makeshift uh, uh, developing room in your weird little back corner in Vietnam and you don't turn it right or enough times, you miscount and you, your whole film's ruined. Like what an incredible thing. So much skill was involved in that. Um, and so to, to portray that on, on screen right now and to kind of pay tribute to those that are, that are 
giving us the truth is, I think, very valuable. Yeah. And the, the brotherhood of service, of guys who are in the service together, um, the responsibility of being in charge of men who are in your charge, uh, and finding a way to get retribution for those men, um, to have um, a vengeance that grows so deep and so hard in you that you lose sight of everything on the outside of it. You have just a tunnel vision to make things happen. And the belief in the superiority of man and what it takes to block all those other things out, no matter how good or, or, or what it means to the environment to make something happen because once I fix this problem, then I can fix the other problem. It's how we start the chain of mistakes and what that means, you know, in uh, terms of that. And it's great to have that in this particular film, you know, for sure. Hi, so as uh, Sam Jackson mentioned earlier, you've been running from Kong since you were like a little boy. Um, so I was wondering, uh, besides the iconography of King Kong, were there any other monster movies that uh, you drew from in order to get yourself prepared for this movie, or were there any monster films that particularly influenced you as a child? Uh, not even as a child. I mean, as an adult, well, child, you got Godzilla, because I was always fascinated by something that could step on a city, you know, <laughs> uh, especially never even imagining in my mind growing up as a child in segregated Tennessee that. I would even see Tokyo or be in it, and let alone, so that was like an exotic place to watch a monster tear up. Um, and Mothra, I mean, Japan was like killing it with all that stuff. And I loved those two little women in the cage, you know, singing, Mothra! Yeah, that was all that. And as an adult, seeing a film like The Host from Korea, uh, that film is awesome. So I just love monster movies, and you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's not a math test. When Rennie Harlan called me and told me about Deep Blue Sea and said, I'm gonna kill you first, which means that anybody in the movie can die. And I'm like, okay, great, let's do it. Uh, and that's one of the best screen deaths I've ever had. You know, I just love that. Hello, I'm like the biggest Marvel movie nerd, so I'm freaking out that I've Captain Marvel, Loki, and Nick Fury. I'm curious, Woo! yeah, Woo! Um, of of your three super characters, who do you think has the best shot to take down a King Kong? Um, he's, he, he's not here and he's big and green. That would be a great fight, wouldn't it? The Hulk versus King Kong. Um, I think Loki would like really, if he had one of those alien chariots from Avengers, he'd, he'd give it a good go and then he'd just be flattened in a second. I don't think he'd stand a chance. Although, if he tried the self-duplication thing, I think Kong will be confused for a little bit, yeah. But no, I'm still putting my money on Kong. Always, yeah. yeah. Captain Marvel, she got anything to say about Kong? I just don't feel like she has any interest in taking down Kong. Yeah. Right? Does it, right. She's like doing great stuff. Like, why would she be like, yeah, that. I'm just gonna waste my time with that. Right. And take down this thing that's obviously bigger and stronger than me. Yeah. The wise general knows when not to fight. <laughs> sure. Hi, thank you. I'm a huge fan of all three of you. And question is, when did you first see the, the original King Kong film from 33? I know Sam 
probably you saw it when you were like two. Oh, you saying like I was there, huh? Yeah, you probably, you probably <laughs> were like there in the movie. But you at the premiere, right, Sam? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the second question would be, um, what was the toughest challenge while filming this, this, this movie? Uh, part one of your question, I, I probably saw it some Saturday morning because I used to go to Creature Features on Saturday in Tennessee with all my friends. So I'm sure we, they showed King Kong and Mighty Joe Young as a double feature one day, you know. So um, I saw it there. But everybody knows the iconography of Kong hanging off the Empire State Building with Fay Ray in his hand swatting down an airplane. You know, I mean, that's like everybody knows that. Even if you've never seen the movie, you kind of go, I don't know why I have that in my head, but I have it. You know, everybody's got it. I think it's the same. I was, it was probably on television, on British television, some Saturday lunchtime. Um, it was raining, more than likely. Um, so, so I was like, I can't go out and play. I guess I'll just watch this. And it was cool. Yeah, yeah I think we all kind of have the same thing. It's just, it's there. I don't have any specific moment because I don't even feel like that when I watched any of the films, I was like, oh, what's this crazy movie where there's this giant thing attacking these other tiny people? You're just, it's just like, oh, it's Kong. It's just, it's part of our language. I feel like it's like next to the question mark. It's just a symbol. It's a symbol that we know before Mothra. we even know. <laughs> Mothra, I didn't know about that. That was awesome. Until we were on set, and someone told me about that, and I was like, that is not true. There's no way someone was like, a giant moth, that's a good idea. Mothra. That's going to be a huge, that's going to be a big fight that people will want to see. I was like, no. I lo I, but the, I, this is a crazy thing. I didn't, I didn't know about the, the Godzilla movie for a long time, but when I was really small, like two, three years old, um, I had a VHS of the Hanna-Barbera... Godzilla cartoon, which I still love, um, with like, with, with the red button that you push, and there's the giant city eaters in San Francisco, Captain Majors, Godzuki. Yeah, where does Godzuki figure in all of this? Is what I want to know. Somewhere down the line. <laughs> okay, part two of hardest. Oh. Hardest, hardest part? The biggest challenge? Biggest cha oh, biggest challenge. That's a fancier way of putting hardest part. Hardest part. Uh, biggest challenge for me was getting in a helicopter upside down so I could get out of a helicopter. Yeah, you're it was right. so crazy. I forgot about that they part. Had a and said, okay, Sam, you're going to be hanging upside down in this scene. And I'm like, well, how do I get in a seat? Are you going to like turn this thing over so I can get in? So they had to hang, they had to flip me over. Three guys had to lift me up, strap me into the seat just so they could unbuckle the seat so I could fall down on my head. But that was the hardest thing that for me. That is so funny. And walking around in all that heat and those bugs. Yeah, I was going to say the heat, but now that you mention it, there must be behind-the-scenes footage of us trying to get into that. Trying to get upside down in a helicopter. Yes. That's yeah. And that hurts for me. Because, oh, it hurts. you know, I have boobs. That's not okay yeah. to be, like, hanging Yeah, it was hurting that. me, so I know it hurt you. Yeah. yeah. The pain was real. But then it was the weather, I think, was just the other yeah. part. Three, three countries, six months. We went through, like... I remember vividly, like when I watched this movie, I'm like, oh, that day was 120 degrees, or oh, that day was hailing and I was getting sick. It was that day when you and I had to run down a rocky mountain in the dark. Mm -hmm. That was, there's a, there's a mountain, like a mountain in Australia uh, called Mount Tambourine, and uh, we had to run down it, and it was really rocky and 
you know, there's a chance you could fall flat on your face and not finish the movie, so that was pretty... No, but you can't do it tentatively, you know? No one's going to watch the movie and be like, oh, they seem really scared. They were like, I just don't want to twist my ankle because tomorrow's going to hurt. It's going to suck if I have a twisted ankle. You have to, like... By the way, I twisted yourself. my ankle. Oh, yeah, you did, actually. You did. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's... The amazing thing about it was that we really were outside doing this. I mean, we I was getting up at 4 a.m. every day so that we could start shooting when the sun came up. So we saw the sunrise and the sunset every day, which was so beautiful. But we were working with Mother Nature, and it didn't matter what we had on the call sheet to shoot that day. If Mother Nature was like, no, I'm going to rain, and I'm yeah, going to rain so rain much right oh, that you can't get rain. to set, Some then you yeah. And we didn't have to stop shooting because we were in a tropical depression, so anything could happen at any time, so it didn't matter. Yeah. If you were out there, you were just out there. It was yeah. like, okay, well, stop for a second while we cover the camera. <laughs> yeah, and, and she didn't cover you. And with other no. with other films, you can kind of make character choices based upon the weather. Where you're like, it's a hot day, so I'm not going to wear this jacket. Thanks, wardrobe. With this, is like, where where are these changes of clothes? There could be no like, I'm going to wear I have like yeah. zip off pants. No, it's just the same costume every day, no matter what temperature it is. There are always these crazy scenarios that make us wonder sometimes what's going on and one of the craziest scenarios is like when there's going to be gunfire they start building cages around the cameras plexiglass cages and stuff and we're just standing there exposed it's like what's wrong with this picture <laughs> and they go okay there's gonna be some squibs going off over here and the guys over here are gonna be shooting some powder balls over there behind you don't worry about it cameras are really expensive really <laughs> we are way more expensive than that. <laughs> Ask the insurance company. It was actually, do you remember that explosion of, there was an explosion of earth. <laughs> there was an explosion of dirt that hit you in the face. Hit me f clean in the face. It's um, one of my favorite Because they lie to you. Oh, 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 oh it's going to explode in that direction. Don't worry about it. Somebody got it. Somebody got this. It was, it was myself and Brian Thomas Mann and, and there was an explosion of earth and I just put my head up at the wrong moment. And uh, one of the crew was also filming it um, and we got Sam to sneeze uh, as a voiceover for the video. So it looks like basically <laughs> some, some giant Skull Island creature has just sneezed in my face. Hi, how are you? Um, I like your shoes, by the way. Um, my question is, both of them, they're all great. Um, my question is, why do you think it was important that the movie took place in the 70s and not like the original version? Well, I think everybody's seen, everyone has seen that movie now. Um, the, the, with the, with the, the film director who, and who employs an out-of-work actress from New York. And, um, and the 70s is, I guess, it was just before satellites were starting to take photographs of the Earth from space. So there's this idea that an island in the South Pacific was discovered and they'd send a bunch of soldiers to make a map of it. Right, Sam? No. <laughs> Movie set in 73, because this Kong in this movie, even though he's 100 feet tall, he's a preteen. And by the time they catch up to real time to where those other big things are that this company also owns, that they want to make another movie about, he will have grown enough to be a formidable opponent for those wow. particular things. I didn't even know that. Wow. Hi there, I found Hi there. these. What's that? I found these super cool Kong Skull Island toys. This one's Tom and this one's Sam. Where's I, mine? I haven't found it yet. Sad. 
you have to talk to Walmart about that. Um, so I was just wondering, you're about to have all the Marvel merchandise, though, so I think you'll be all right. Well, am I like the Ray of this year? What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> you have to take that Is up. Is that a sore subject? <laughs> I think there's a feminism thing to be said about that. Um, but just growing up, did y'all ever imagine that little kids would be playing with toys of you? Never. No. no. <laughs> they don't teach you that you in did. school. <laughs> Sam did. Sam. You did? Uh, no. No. I mean, I, I'm, back when they made Jurassic Park, they made action figures of everybody but me. I remember that, and I felt really bad about it. But, you know, I got an now office they have full of action figures now. There now. we go. Yeah. yeah. I got you me feel sitting. my pain. You know I have me sitting about. everywhere. Yeah, totally. Yeah, everybody wants an action figure. But, you know, the Hot Toys. Hot Toys Nick Fury. <laughs> okay, then I'll look forward to the Captain Marvel. It'll be a Hot Toys Captain Marvel. Yeah. Okay, folks, before we wrap up, uh, the folks at Warner Brothers wanted me to remind you of where you can see this movie, but if you guys can't find where this movie is playing on Friday, you don't really deserve to see it, quite honestly. It's playing everywhere. It's playing on Skull Island. They have a great Alamo Draft House there. Go see it. And thank you guys all for, for coming oh, out. Hey, you should uh, make sure you stay until after the credits. As usual. Yes. yes. Thank Cookie. our cast. Let's Cookie. get a round of applause for our cast here.